Author of the Week, featuring another great creator of narratives for the human race on Southside Broadcasting and Siren Radio. Well, they say that a week is a long time in politics, in which case several months is a series of eons when it comes to uh, authors and uh, the appropriateness of their line and so on. It was back on the 17th of September 2021 uh, when we were delighted to uh, welcome to Author of the Week US Air Force veteran Stephen Spence and, of course, the uh, very innovative and indeed exciting text, Money, Plain and Simple, What the Institutions and the Elite Don't Want You to Know. So that was back in September. Now, of course, here we are in April, and we're delighted to welcome Stephen back again to the programme. Stephen, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me, Alex. Well, it's great to connect with your good self. And I know we had a long discussion last time around, and probably an equally long one uh, this time around, about cryptocurrency and these systems that, as you said, you, you kind of had to figure out what the problem was, the debt trap, the series of debt traps that were actually there. That was kind of right in the middle of the pandemic, which is still kind of with us from that point of view. But other things have obviously taken place. You've got the Ukraine situation. You've got uh, Putin actually saying he'll only take payment in rubles now. Um, just share with us in, in terms of that context of the way that the globe is, is, is changing and so on. Is that still part of the playbook? Are we still looking at, well, this is just paving the way for, as Klaus Schwab would say, uh, in the future, you will owe nothing and you'll be happy. That's so disgusting, isn't it? Oh, <laughs> uh, You know, the whole reason, Alex, I wrote this book was, was to warn people of what's coming, uh, the fragility of the global economics when I discovered it. And, and again, I'm not an economist. I'm an aircraft person. I'm a real estate investor. So this, this all led me to learning. I just couldn't believe what I was getting into. And, uh, and learning about. So what, uh, my thing is, is for ordinary people to understand what's going on with their money or, or currency is what it's really called and, and to protect themselves for what's to come. And, and we're starting to see it happening right now. And what's funny is that I was at church on Sunday. One of the guys that read my book, he came, came up to me and he says, oh, your book, it's coming true. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, it's going to get worse. I'm telling you, don't, don't give up. You start paying attention. So people are waking up slowly. I wish it would be faster. Uh, I know uh, uh, there's so much to talk about with this uh, Ukraine thing uh, with, with China and Russia. Uh, I wrote about that in my book is they don't want to be ruled by the United States. And that's pretty much what uh, the world reserve currency is. And, and I'm not trying to say what's right or wrong, but I'm just telling you from, from their standpoint, they don't want to be governed by the United States and, and that's, or, or the, or the West, if you will. And so that's, uh, and that's, I've been blogging about this because, uh, of course, my book is a year and uh, just over seven months old, but I wrote it about a year and a half ago. Um, but I talked about this. Uh, I talked about that they're going to try to displace the dollar. And that's uh, and that's might sound like nothing to somebody, but I explained the case why that's important to everybody, because that is our way of life. I mean, the petrodollar, of course, as it's uh, been used and so on, is also under an awful lot of threat. I mean, we, we see in Britain at present there are various oil uh, areas that are being blockaded by people who are obviously very much pushing a uh, an agenda for the environment, or as they claim the environment and the line from that. Is this almost reaching a perfect storm, do you think, in terms of the way in which you know, we are coping with, with, with problems? And, and let's hope, obviously, we don't go uh, to use the phrase nuclear in terms of this whole system, because uh, there are there are challenges within that. And, you know, 
I, I know that the current occupant of the White House has got his critics, but isn't he almost in an impossible position insofar as if he sends troops in to actually sort out uh, the, the challenges, there's going to be big issues there, obviously. Uh, and likewise, if he's doing nothing and obviously mistakes the Ukrainian for Iranians, sorry, Joe, uh, then obviously there are problems within that as well. Yeah, well, um, gosh, I'm, uh, where to start with this? I think, uh, you know, first you, you mentioned nuclear and, and uh, I I really think that these are means that these people are trying to create fear to, to steer in a direction the populace. Uh, and I don't, I don't really think that we're going to, you know, of course, I don't know the future, but I don't think that's really a positive. It's just talk. I really believe that. Uh, but I don't want to be naive to it either. Um, so if you take that off the table and start seeing what they're doing, uh, you, you can see that there's a, uh, you, you mentioned the petrodollar. So the petrodollar, you know, I, I covered and it gives, it, that's what gives the dollar its strength when we got off the gold standard uh, in 1971. So, um, the, and, and again, I've been blogging about this, uh, I, think in, I think right after we interviewed or right before we interviewed in September last year, the Russians made a deal with the Saudis uh, to provide protection uh, for, for, the, for these Middle Eastern countries and they signed up for it. So that was, and when I saw that, I was like, uh oh, that's not good because that's what makes them sell our, uh, their oil in, in the US dollars, right? Again, which gives the dollar strength. So now um, they're starting to walk away after the Afghanistan debacle and uh, they're starting to say, oh, maybe the Russians are probably the way to go. And so then fast forward to right now what's going on and now they're talking about selling oil to the Chinese and you want, <laughs> you know, so in circumventing the dollar, and, and then, you know, the West, Western Europe is, is really dependent upon natural gas and oil from Russia and they're, you know, sanctioning and then the, you know, Putin is saying, I'll sell you uh, in rubles, I'll sell this to you. So what's he doing? He's basically creating his own petro ruble, if you, if you will. And, and that's going, and when there's a demand for the currency, it, it's, I'm not gonna say it's gonna displace it. I, I, you know, there's a war going on. And it's not just what you see, there's an economic war. And, and, and I assure you, uh, he's, and that, that's the case I've been laying out. Uh, I urge you to go back to my blogs if whoever's listening and, and see how I laid out this case uh, over the past, he's been doing this since 2014 or maybe even longer with the gold stores. I mean, they've, they've, they've um, they don't, they're not number one yet, but they've been massively storing gold. And now, of course, now they're saying, hey, um, they're, they're fixed pricing, if I understand, uh, 5,000 rubles to one gram of gold. Uh, so, and, and they're a gold producer in that nation. So, so now uh, they're, they're tying the ruble to gold too, which the dollar doesn't have that. Um, so yeah, they're doing all these moves that they've been planning out. They, they, we call it tabletop exercises. You ever hear that? Uh -huh. uh, I mean, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But as 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 we look at the whole yeah. scenario at present, I mean, clearly from Germany's point of view, it seems hopelessly naive now to have actually said, "Yeah, we're going to do away with nuclear power, 
we're going to do away with uh, all, all other forms, and we're going to rely totally on, on Russia, because after all, we never had any problems with Russia in the past. We're going to totally rely on Russia to continually actually deliver a, a, a regular a supply of gas uh, to us through the pipeline, which is actually there. Um, is it just a case of, you know, politicians have been naive, they've kind of thought for short term gain as opposed to long term pain, they haven't kind of thought through the issues. I mean, we now have a, in Britain a case where our Prime Minister Boris Johnson is, is, is trying to effectively uh, ramp up, obviously, alternative sources of energy, uh, looking at uh, kind of reinstating nuclear power as, as well as that sort of areas. Is it ultimately a case of more of a cock up theory than a conspiracy theory at one level? Well, this is what I see is um, the West politicians, including the United States, they have a two to four year plan, right? And it's for themselves. It's not really for the nation. Uh, and when, when, you, when you look at China or Russia, they have a 50 year plan. And, and of course, I don't know how long uh, Putin is going to stay in power, but he's been in power for quite some time. With that I think he's just passed another bill, which basically means that all things being equal, he could actually stay until 2036. So, you know, good few years, good, good, good decade and a half yet. And then, and then look at uh, Xi Jinping, you know, he's, same thing. He's been in power for quite some time and he's probably going to be in power for a lot. And he's got a 20, I think they got a 2050 plan and probably a, a 2100 plan. Uh, so when these, and they're nationalists, which, you know, in a sense is not wrong. I don't believe it's wrong. It's like, you know, you do what's best for your country. Um, and but hopefully not at the expense of others. And then, but uh, and that's when you go to our politicians, they're always seeking that re-election and that's the, that's the game they're playing and, they're, and it's about themselves. And, it, and you know, we talked about politics before on the last episode was, uh, uh, yeah, the, it's all about them. You know, there are good politicians, don't get me wrong, but usually the ones that stick around <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my original thought, actually, when the whole Ukraine balloon went up was that this was a heck of an expensive way for uh, Vladimir to get his mate Donald re-elected back into the White House. And of course, since then, we have heard uh, former President Trump effectively make quite clear the comment that uh, under Bush, the Russians invaded countries, under uh, Obama, they invaded countries, uh, under obviously Biden, they're doing that. And clearly, uh, Trump does hold the, uh, the line now that basically he's the only president of the United States uh, at which basically Russia didn't actually take any aggressive actions or any notable aggressive, aggressive actions during his presidency. Is that kind of is, is that something where we are seeing obviously the campaign now to actually say, well, maybe he wasn't as bad as all that? <laughs> well, neither did the U.S. do any really war actions as well. So, you know, we're not innocent in this either. You know, it's just projection um, in all of this. So um, I, I will point out, going back to like the conspiracy side of it, you know, it's they have control of the media. Right. And, and, uh, um, and that's a tough pill to swallow because that's that's kind of our most of our source. And we don't have time to really all of us don't have time to really research this stuff and dig into alternate news. And because there's so many liars out there and you're you know, just seeking for hits or whatever. So you really got to filter, discern all through all this stuff. But so a lot of us turn on the TV and, and you know, I, I guess BBC for you and uh, Sky News and stuff like that. And. Um, and for us, it's like the major networks, you know, that we have the three major networks are the ones and they're all saying the same thing and they all kind of support 
the government. And it, 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 you really got to see that. And, and, uh, and they can spin it to make it sound good. So going back to, the, to, the, to what they don't want you to know, like the title of the book is um, wars are started once they lost control. And, uh, and if you look back at the start of every major war, especially the United States, it's, it's like something is happening and it got us into, and they, the economy was, it was economy. And wars, unfortunately, you know, stimulate the economy. And that's usually the last war resort. is good for business. Yeah. I, I mean, they say follow the money and, and really that there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, and right now, can you imagine, um, even just what's going on that we're not at war really with you in the Ukraine, but we're supplying them with stuff. And I can assure you, and I come from a defense contractor, um, I can assure you they're salivating with all the stuff that we're giving away. A point that I made pretty much at the outbreak of the whole hostilities that the uh, the people who are really happy about this, apart from mainstream media who could actually fill the airwaves with a whole range of uh, new war-based stories, were obviously the arms and weapons manufacturers because it's uh, it's almost as though it's Christmas come early for them in so many ways because there's the whole range of things they can actually supply. Yeah, well, I mean, we're probably going to upset a few people with with uh, with our talk right now, but that is really the truth, and. and um, it's it's but again it stimulates money and then all, all of a sudden all this money gets released right what it wasn't never really there to release they had to create it so now we get into another conundrum right uh that okay, i think uh, uh our, our president is trying to release a or, or, or push through a 5.8 trillion dollar bill for his next year's budget and, and I'm, I'm like can anybody not see that we're already repaying for what we already did trying to respond from the pandemic and now we're going to respond in kind with this um and then <laughs> i don't know uh, do you know governor newsom from california is he, mm. so he he is announcing that uh they want to send out a 400 dollar uh, debit card to pay for gas for the high prices of gas and <laughs> But you're bringing when you give money to the people, and not that I don't say you shouldn't give money to the people, but but you're you you should act, you should expect inflation. So the more money you give, the more inflation you're going to get. It's it's really kind of simple, you know. Again, that's the way I try to explain it. We have a situation in Britain at present, Stephen, where effectively filling up your car with gas, you're looking at. Uh, even a small car, somewhere around about uh, 40, 50 pounds. So it's about $100, basically, just to, just to sort of fill up your, 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 your uh, tank, probably actually going up to close to $150, $200. Uh, now, part of that, you might well say, OK, fine, this is the necessary, this is, this is what's happening and so on. But we are also faced with soaring energy prices, soaring energy bills from that point of view. The squeeze is very much on. I mean, we're very fortunate, I suppose, in many ways that thankfully, you know, we can still still use this, etc. But there are an awfully large number of people, and I suspect it's the same in the United States, certainly in Britain, who are really going to be squeezed phenomenally in terms of this, because basically they, you, you can cope with bills going up slightly, slightly, but going up basically by 50, 60, 70 percent, that's mm -hmm. a high that's a high hike to take any particular time. Yeah, well, um, so inflation right now is what everybody's starting to feel. And this is what I was trying to warn about is that this is what we're going to see first. Um, and I, I do want to say, go back to some numbers. Um, since the pandemic started in 2020, the first 
they they created 40% of all US dollars from 2020, 40%. And, and, and you're only seeing right now is uh, rough, they're, they're saying a 7.9% was our last month's uh, inflation rate. Um, but it, you know, the true inflation rate, like you said, the gas is, is doubled. That's almost a hundred percent. So, um, and, and people before all this started, were living, um, I would say 60% of Americans were living paycheck to paycheck, uh, and living on credit. Uh, uh I just read an article the other day, the how houses are making more money than people are at their jobs here in the U S and that's another thing that it's like crazy to, 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 you know, and I'm a real estate investor. So that's just crazy to, to even think. <laughs> I remember my first house, I made like 3% in three years. It was like the slowest thing. <laughs> I made a measly $3,000 in about three years. I was like, wow, you know, and people are making $50,000, $60,000 in a year on their house. It's like, wow, that's incredible. So we, we've had situations that I, I want to get back to the book as well, obviously, shortly, but I'm just thinking historically, we had the dot com bubble, which was pretty much the turn of the century, effectively, where people would, would make these huge profits. And then, of course, the dot com bubble effectively burst and it created problems. We had the Lehman Brothers uh, 2008 in terms of obviously the uh, subprime mortgage market, which again tipped. Uh, the world pretty much into recession after a fashion. I mean, it wasn't called recession. I think it was, it was called, we were sort of heading into, into that side of things, et cetera. Um, we've managed to be resilient enough as a human species. Do you, do you feel that there's a sense of optimism that actually, without necessarily going down a wake up people, there are messages to be had here which are more significant than a, an adult pretender slapping another adult pretender at an Academy Awards ceremony. No names, but we know what happened. Um, you know, in, in terms of that, you know, we, we do need to actually be aware that there are these large issues, but also we can't give up hope. No, of course not. And, and right now, uh, yeah, I used to teach a, a class when I worked for the airlines called Human Factors and Aviation Maintenance. And one of the things that is like at the core of that class was, uh, or, or that, that thought process, was that you can't control, as you and I, ordinary people, we can't control the environment, but we can control ourselves. And that's where it's got to start, is, is you, you have to start with, before you affect anything else outside of you, you have to change yourself or, or you know, yeah, you have to recognize that the first problem is you. And uh, so, and that's kind of the core of the book is uh, you, you have to see what's coming. Right, and and you have to start taking measures to protect yourself. Maybe you know, maybe it's uh, figuring out how to address. You can't control inflation; none of us can, right? But we can react to it uh, in a positive way. And and so you know, for instance, uh, like if we don't have a lot, all of us have different places where where we are financially. So some of us can go out and buy land. Some of us can go out and buy gold and silver. Some of us, you know, these hedge protections. Uh, uh, of, of inflation, but other uh, some people can't come up with a, enough money for an ounce of gold, but they go shopping it for this, you know, for food. So you know, buy some long-term storage things. You know, if you buy one box of spaghetti or a can of tomato sauce or something, buy two and put one away. And, and you know, just kind of so it doesn't hurt. You know, but you got to do what you can do because that tomato, the can of tomato sauce, is probably going to be uh, costing you um, twice as much six months from now. And, uh, you know, I know what one can is going to do it, but, but when you think, you know, do it on a grand scale. So I think it has to start with ourselves. 
um, because we, we're just along for the ride. And, and you know, the, ed, the education, I'm sorry, but the education is, is we can, once we start wising up to this, we can start holding our leaders accountable because right now they're just walking all over us because we don't really understand this. And they think, oh, no, 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 you, you, we got this. Don't worry about it. And, you know, it's too complicated for you. And that's not true. You know, and I wrote it, I, I got it in less than 100 pages in a book. This is all you need to know to, to actually have an intelligent conversation. We've talked political leadership, of course. We haven't actually talked technocratic leadership. And if we're talking about Klaus Schwab and the uh, the whole notion of the Davos company, etc., we certainly see people such as Bill Gates. Uh, we see folks such as the Metaverse uh, creator, uh, obviously, uh, and, and his particular view on uh, on the future, etc. And uh, and clearly, even Jeff Bezos is going to space these days. Oh, he stepped aside from Amazon, uh, and he's he's obviously left that that open to, to various other bits and pieces. Um, personally, I must admit, I get somewhat frustrated with the way in which this big switch to digitalization. Is, is basically being pushed upon us in, in a whole range of ways, where quite apart from the surveillance issues, the monitoring issues, um, I was talking about it with some students actually this week in terms of, you, I mean, we've gone beyond store cards to applications, apps that you can actually tap on your, your phone for, from that point of view. Um, do you feel that, I mean, there's a lot of rhetoric that's spoken about on all sides, on both sides of the Atlantic, about holding uh, the likes of Zuckerberg and company to account and actually saying, look, you know, the data, this this data mining, this data, this movement to actually predict behavior via algorithms and so on, the line for it from that perspective where, again, going back to Schwab's line, in the future, you'll own nothing and be happy. But if, you know, from that point of view, is it a case of, without necessarily lobbing bombs in there, we do need to, through books such as yourself, of course, raise the issue that actually this is not a good road to go down. This is not a pleasant environment we need to actually ensure that we don't go off the cliff and we actually hold fire and actually ensure that we we can get a better society and a more just society as opposed to being simply simply swapping one set of dictators in terms of political dictators for a financial set of dictators in terms of the technocracy yeah well you know one of my things that i like to say is um my my greatest concern about all this mess for what we're going through and have to our future, immediate future that we're going to go through is that the same people stay in charge, just a different name. So, uh, and so how do you, how do you, uh, the younger, my, my, my youngest daughter's 21. Um, and I, I can, I can see how, you know, having the cell phone, having the technology, having this and that, and, 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 and it's, it's such a, uh, competition just an interesting aside, and, and this is a sort of, but without this this device, I would be unable to do my work because the computer would not allow me access without actually having a multi-factor authentication. I'd be unable to access any of my other data. There's a whole range of other aspects within that. And there's a part of me which says, this isn't right. You know, I left my phone at home the other day and I was, and I was like, do I go back and get the phone or... No, I decided I'm going to do it like the old school days and I'm going to let Google worry about where I'm at. <laughs> I should be in church right now, but my but I'm showing him at home. <laughs> you know? So I left it at home. I, I, you know, but, that's, but it made me pause and think, you know, it's, it's almost an attachment to me. And, you know, that, like you said, it's we've become so dependent. But on the other hand, 
it's it's it is a valuable tool. You know, I can talk to you, you know, across the Atlantic. So that's really really cool. Yeah. Uh, so my my uh, my thing is, is going back to the kids is I want to speak for American kids right now. Is is what I see in, in an ordinary child's life growing up. Um, they are they are bombarded with this technology and and there's like a competition and from truth to or truth and reality to fantasy I guess and this metaverse thing I, I've never put on head goggles but I've talked to people about it and somebody asked me about it what I thought about it I, they sell real estate on that did you know that <laughs> I didn't know that <laughs> They actually, oh, I'm buying a house next to Snoop Dogg so I can party. What? what, what? <laughs> I don't understand. Real money? Yes, real. Oh, wow. Anyway, let's side note. But, but that's a fantasy world, right? So how bad does our real world have to be for, for our youth to, to want to put on a, a set of goggles and, and, and escape from this, from reality? Uh, and so we've, We've polluted, we've corrupted, we, you know, and I'm talking about not you and I, but the world, we have, we have really, there's a lot of good. Screwed up, I think is the phrase that we probably spring to mind really in a, in a number of areas. Yeah, and these children or kids see this. And um, so my thing is, it's, it's, if, if they're not educated um, properly with, because they can survive it just like you and I do, um, we teach them the ways then they can, and that's a reason why I wrote the book too, is for these younger you know, generation to read this and get excited about it again, because it's a lot easier to put some goggles on and just chill out on the couch and, or whatever they walk around, I've seen them walk around, whatever. But yeah, but so uh, the, the, in the United States, I'm sure you heard, uh, you know, it's the, the, the American dream is to buy a house and a white picket fence and have a dog and a family, blah, blah, blah. And that's, and now it's becoming a rental nation. And they say, you can rent your dream now. And it's like, wait a second. That's, you know, and then the kids, they, you know, for the house prices, they say, oh, you need to come up with 25% now or 20% down. And you're looking at a, a medium price house. You're looking at 60 grand. Um, people don't have, you know, like I said before, most people live paycheck to paycheck, let alone put away 60 grand. So there's, there's some really serious issues and goes back to our money. It, it, it all starts with the money and, and it's really not money, it's fake. So now you're building everything on this fake system of fiat currency and uh, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. You know, and inflation is a tax that's taken away from everybody. We've heard many scholars actually refer to the death of the middle class. Um, and this is probably um, rap rapidly sort of developing that. You made a very interesting point there about tools, and and yes, oh, clearly Zoom. If I if I'd only had shares in Zoom, and then a, another blend of shares in perhaps a personal uh, protective clothing, that would be useful in terms of the pandemic. Maybe some pharmaceutical, some big pharma shares would have been useful as well, and a little bit of in the arms industry. I think you know I'd be flying across quite happily to to work through the whole process. But never mind, that's that's another line. The point being. Devices can be used for tools. They're not intrinsically evil, just as money isn't intrinsically evil. But it's mm -hmm. the misuse. And, and it's also the way in which people tend to get suckered in. And I'm not saying that from an elitist point of view of, oh, the people get suckered in. That's, but, but there is the tendency. One of the key things I've noticed is since returning to full face-to-face -face teaching at the University of Lincoln, uh, progressing with that, is 
we used to have a situation where when I was delivering a lecture, you might have perhaps 10 to 15 percent of the class pre-pandemic might be having their laptops around from that point of view. Now it's 100 percent. It's 100 percent where basically you look at a class and basically they are. You know, I'm, I'm hopeful that they are actually also engaged with the lecture, but actually mm. making eye to eye contact without actually going on Zoom, seems as though, whoa, we've just missed this evolutionary step. And now basically people don't make eye-to-eye contact. They're staring at the screen. So you're there live in person delivering a lecture whilst your students are basically looking at the screen to access the notes and various other things. Again, my gut feeling, that's not what human beings necessarily are best suited for. Oh. Well, no, and, and I used to teach around the world as well. And, and it, the one thing is, is that connection, like you said, uh, you can, you know, uh, me as an instructor, I know I fed off the feedback I got just by their faces and I can see that they're confused, or that they're, but if their faces are buried in something, <laughs> making eye contact with me, then I'm really lost as a teacher because I don't know if I'm effective. Well, or I mean, effective. Uh, unless we do the whole thing online, go back to that system. And yet the time, what we found from the, the, the last, I mean, we're talking 80, 90% of students, vastly preferred face-to-face teaching mm-hmm. you know fine we'll do face-to-face teaching but it's just intrigued interesting in terms of that that barrier that they have introduced at their own volition and yeah i, I don't want to come across as a put all your laptops up because sometimes you know they're, they're now in the stage where they find it quicker to actually type their notes yeah. via keyboard than actually using a hand and a pen to actually make notes on that point of view and yeah. so actually you don't want to disenfranchise them from taking notes, but at the same time, it also raises other levels as well in terms of the, the question. Now, if that also rolls over into the finance side of things, we're in for a pretty interesting 21st century, I think, in terms of the way that people's day-to-day uh, applications go, especially given the fact that as, as is a standard fact, as many psychologists have, have stated, that there's a direct connection between mental ill health and the amount of time you actually spend scrolling through social media. Right. You know, I do want to say something uh, about behavior too. You made me think about when you were talking was so uh, going back to inflation and not to beat this up, but it's kind of like in everybody's life right now. But uh, they say uh, the cure for high prices is high prices. And, and this is, this is the dilemma though, that, you know, that's not happening because they're accepting the prices. The psychology is it, so now I don't know if the prices will ever go back down because the, the 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 younger generation are just like okay, let's go. You know, I'll pay for that. I'll pay that. Yeah, I mean the the, the whole notion of uh, what the market will actually reset itself. We do certainly, as far as fuel is concerned, seem to be a scenario where it's uh, rocket upwards and feather downwards. It shoots up like a rocket. And it might just drop a couple of pennies or a couple of cents, etc., and then it's up again. And you think, hmm. But let's let's step, let's step away from, from the fuel crisis from other areas. Let's let's throw a, a different kind of question at you. One of the things we've been introducing in terms of author of the week are um, the musical choices that uh, uh, authors have actually had when they haven't actually sort of been writing, etc. Or maybe they've had a playlist whilst they've been writing. So, Stephen, from your own point of view, any particular music that uh, you find either inspiring or you like to uh, to listen to whilst you're actually you know, considering the next sort of uh, novel or text you're looking to put together? Uh, for music, I, I, I'm a, a um... I'm an old rockhead, I guess, in uh, from '70s rock music. It, but I don't find it inspiring. It just it just takes me away from 
right now, you know, from the today. And actually, you know, I, I don't listen to much rock anymore. Uh, I've kind of cleaned up my life, if you will. Uh, but I have been catching myself listening to uh, uh, Lincoln Park. I don't know if you know them. <laughs> but in the, uh, in the early 2000s, I used to be a big, big fan of hard rock. And, and I was like, wow, these guys said so much. And you know, the other, another one that I really like is, uh, and I didn't realize why, is uh, Rage Against the Machine. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. But when you listen to them, I, I just love the music. But then I start listening to the words and and. I'm not saying uh, revolt, but these were people that were, they're calling it out. They were calling the elites out in their words. And I was just singing along. I wasn't even paying attention. But now I look back and say, wow, these guys are saying something. And so I found that kind of kind of interesting. Uh, and, it, and it goes in line with what I'm trying to say is, you know, don't trust these, these people that are in charge of us. You know, we, we, we really need to uh, push back and hold them to account when it's wrong. But you need to know what's wrong and what's right. And that's that's where it starts is is the education part of it. So Rage Against the Machine or Lincoln Park, which one would you go for? Give them a push. Uh, probably Rage Against the Machine. <laughs>
Because I don't listen to it anymore. I just, uh, but like I said, I like the words what they're saying now, and I understand what they were doing. I just wasn't, I was just part of the music then. Excellent. We're talking to Stephen J. Spence, our retired US Air Force veteran, airline mechanic, aircraft builder, now top uh, realtor, uh, owner of a real estate rental investment company, and so on. And also uh, the author, perhaps even more importantly, of a text which was described by Grady Harp and the Amazon uh, book reviews as a history lesson that begins with gold and silver, progresses through the myriad channels of manipulation in various economies, the banking system in the US, inflation, deflation, and how these influence money and the transition to digitalization. Um, Spence makes it all understandable and so doing uh, prepares us well for the future of economics and the monetary systems that are coming. Uh, and it's uh, money, plain and simple, available on uh, all the usual platforms and so on from there. Okay, Stephen, um, it's been great connecting with you yourself today. That, as I say, a lot has happened since we last spoke in, in September. Let's, let's spiral upwards. Over the next five or six months between where we are now, April, through to September, October, do you feel as though, metaphorically, the world financial situation is uh, a bottle half full or is it half empty? <laughs> uh, gosh, I want to be an optimist, but uh, I really... I really You're American. Say... You've got to be an optimist. Surely, if, if, you, uh, if, if the Americans have lost their, their optimism, we're all doomed, aren't we? Well, I want to be an optimist that there's still hope for each, like I said earlier, for each of us. So we can still protect ourselves. We, there's still time. So, uh, but I do think you really need to watch what Putin is doing, uh, the Russians are doing to the economy. You, you, that's, that's happening at breakneck speed. I, I, I'm amazed with it. Um, so that, I'm going to say I'm an optimist for myself, or if we take action, pessimist for, yeah for the for the economy how's that well it, it kind of sort of is midway which is fine almost sitting on the fence really but that's okay we we, we i think we know what you're saying um digitalization has got a lot of positives we've, we've already talked about those um clearly though there are an awful lot of negatives as well i mean you mentioned you you you, you attend church and, and that's important personally again i'm quite open to actually say that i i think without faith without prayer Frankly, I don't know where I'd be, actually, but that's that's by the by. That's just a personal thing. I just happen to have a, a, a solid faith, probably due to my my father being Polish, my mum sort of having Irish background as well. So you kind of got the idea, ideal mix there for, for getting through things, etc. Um, even though human beings have this propensity to screw things up. I mean, again, this is almost an optimism question. Uh, do you think that we will look back in times to come and say, yeah, okay, how did we realise that? In the same way as we look back now and think, actually, where well, we used to actually run an economy by having child labour and putting kids up uh, swimneys to, to chimneys to sweep them uh, and so on, how, how could we do it? You know, what were we thinking? Or indeed, having slaves in, the, in, 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 in you know, ancient Greece right the way through to arguably some parts of the country in the world at the present day. Yeah, no, that's right. And, you know, the, the thing is, is uh, when we look back, we're applying today's standards to the standards back then. And that's really, 
I'm not saying it's fair, but we shouldn't, we should be really trying to put ourselves in the time that those things were happening. So uh, I do remember like uh, when I grew up in Germany, um, I used to go to the farm. I was just thinking about that today. And I, was, I would go to a local farm and I would just work there for free. They never paid me anything. And uh, it was, uh, but for me, it was, it was fun, but they got all the labor out of me. I was bailing hay and catching chickens and cutting their heads off, you know, just all this stuff, you know, but anyway, as long as you weren't doing an Aussie Osborne and actually biting the heads off them, that's fine, you know. If somebody, somebody wanted something to eat that night, so they wanted a fresh chicken. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, so I think it's very careful to we, we need to be careful when we apply the times because children, I believe, uh, at one point were assets and uh, to, to a family. Um, and the more now, you had, the richer you were, yeah, exactly. Well, you had more labor, right? And 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 uh, now they're no offense to any kids, but they're kind of a liability if you think about it, right? Um, and you know, unless they're, con most of them are. And, uh, and we, we try to get them through the school and then hopefully have give them a better life. That's what the parents do because they love them. But they're really, truly, if you look at assets and liabilities, they're, they're more or less a liability now. Um, so yeah, it, it's, I don't, know, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but... <laughs> It, it kind of goes round, uh, 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 sort of circulates. It doesn't quite hit the bullseye, but I think we, I think we get the, the, the general gist. Um, and and it is a case of us say things tend to change, uh, and we just have to sort of cope with them and, and, and trust actually, and that there is a, a way forward. Um, Finally, in terms of the digitalization, we hear a great deal about uh, the uh, facility of just actually getting a, a subcutaneous chip fitted. So you don't even have to actually have a card or, or indeed a, an application. You just wave your arm in some in, in terms of ways. Uh, China has already introduced this whole notion of social credit, by which if you are deemed to actually be uh, in debit with your social credit, you may not be allowed to travel on trains. You may not be allowed to um, you know, maybe go in and purchase yet another unhealthy snack or whatever. Um, that's clearly got huge Orwellian influences with respect to state control and so on. Do you think that's something we really need to be aware of and actually think, whoa, hang on, you know, it's so, we're no longer using these things as tools. The tools are using us. Well, that's the thing. The, the, so and the United States Constitution was written for the people, by the people, you know, and, and it's the government is for the people, uh, not to rule the people. You know, so uh, and, I'm, and I, I think it's most like that in any free society is the government is, but they have somehow flipped the script to where they would need to control the people. And that's what you see in China. And the, so this is it, it. When you get sold something for convenience, what are you really something else is at cost? So, you know, you just look at Amazon. That's a perfect example of what Amazon did to small business in the United States Many will argue that, uh, and I'm not going to deny, but I love the fact that I don't have to go out shopping somewhere and I can have a package with sometimes the same day that I ordered something. That's that's crazy, but uh, without going out and going out my business. And uh, so, but what are we, What it, at what cost, right? And, and so that's what we have to ask ourselves. So when you're waving something, what, do you, what are you really giving up uh, or to go into a store and not even carry a wallet. You know, you just have this, that detects you, you know? So uh, it, it is all about control. Um, and then the, I, I wrote this in the book is like, you know, maybe maybe you're a diabetic and you want a Coke. I'm not saying it's good for you, but you that was your choice to have a Coke and you go to buy it and they say, no, you're a diabetic, you can't have a Coke. And they deny your purchase. I, I don't know 
but that's what it, that's the Orwellian way, right? And that's what it seems like it's going to go to because they really want to control uh, a lot of aspects of our lives. And, and when the thing is, when we give up our freedom, this goes back to the education we were talking about earlier, when we start to give up our freedoms for convenience, it's going to, I'm not going to say we can never get it back, but it's going to be super hard to get it back. And that's where we need to, our kids need to know this, you know. You mentioned Amazon. I'm going to actually just uh, move on just briefly there, because I know we've had a, a long discussion. We'll move from this. Jessica Bruder uh, wrote uh, a, a novel called Nomadland, uh, which was made into an Academy Award winning picture. Uh, the novel Nomadland talks very much about a new class of American individual who's actually gone from not necessarily being uh, homeless to houseless. And she talks about the houseless as a, uh, a choice uh, they effectively uh, will have a, uh, a, a van, a, a truck. They'll actually live in that van, a truck. They'll, they'll, they'll migrate. In many ways, she almost romanticizes it in terms of it's a, a move to the West again. It's new pioneers working on the way for companies like Amazon, uh, stacking shelves, uh, working for that basis, because primarily they were squeezed out of the homeowning markets. It was no longer feasible for them to actually own their own homes or own their own houses, I should say. So the their mobile vehicle becomes their home. I read that, and I mean, clearly in the States, you can possibly do it because it's a big, big country. In Britain, I think it would be less possible to do that. But I also found it really not romantic at all, but actually a real nightmare vision of a future in which you have effectively obliterated a whole class of humanity, and you've literally got either the workers or indeed the, the upper echelon, the hierarchy, who basically are, are creaming off the profits. Um, how close in terms of, you know, your own sort of book is nomad lands to actually, I mean, obviously it is, it is a reality, but that, that, that whole notion of, of becoming more than just a lifestyle choice, but becoming an essential switch that a lot of Americans who would, who would normally be in middle class will be heading into. Yeah, well... I don't think it's going to be a fast thing. They can't do this suddenly because of people like you and I are still around, you know. Uh, but as we start dying off um, and the younger generations are coming up, I, I, I had this saying, and it starts to make sense more and more. And I say is, you can't miss what you never had. So if you never had a house and a van sounds good, that's a win. You know, maybe you're sleeping in the street. And then, uh, you know, so when you really think about that phrase, it's it's... It, and it's happening right before our very own eyes. I can see it now. I'm old enough to see this. And, uh, and that's crazy because we, again, this goes back. Uh, we need to teach our generation uh, our younger generations of what, what progress should look like. You know, not just that's not progress, but some think it is. And then after a while, some are going to continue more and more and think that this is, oh, this is great. This is great. I can drive to my job in my same house and, or whatever. Yeah. Maybe we just need to start colonizing Mars and see what happens there effectively, which is obviously what uh, uh, <laughs> a number of folk have actually said, including obviously the uh, the guy who's um, um, Elon Musk, who we haven't mentioned as yet in terms of uh, his own sort of view on, on life and, and so on. 
Stephen, it's been fascinating as we knew it would be to reconnect again and uh, and link up for, from that point of view, uh, even without Linkin Park, but with the Rage Against the Machine, which is always nice. Uh, a reminder, of course, the uh, the, the text as well. Uh, it is available, as I say, online. You can still get hold of it. Money, plain and simple. Um, it's brought us around to those two final questions. Uh, actually, this is the must-read non-fiction book of 2021. I'd say it's probably the must-read non-fiction book of 2022 as well. But uh, that's a, another line. Have you had a reasonably interesting Zoomer with us on the program today, Stephen, has it been okay for you? Oh, it's been a fantastic discussion. I enjoy it. Well, a genuine delight as ever. Um, and hopefully we'll uh, get a few more students sort of talking about their own sort of existences and, and such like. But that brings me to the other question. Will you be kind enough to return? Will you come back sometime and uh, keep us appraised of uh, life, the universe, and, and shooting the transatlantic breeze about our crazy political mainstream media-oriented uh, financially indecipherable world? Oh, yes. And, and hopefully we don't make it as long this time. So because things are changing fast. Your host for the day. Don't let me waste my money. No, I see a new path. I can make half. Make new money. Now I got a new laugh. Ha. Music is paying me well. So I ain't going to be the one to go and find a new craft. I'm all right. If it ain't for you, find a new path. If you can't hack it, better find a new class. Triple A gone. Got to find a new pass. Advise me not to do it when I'm buying new
Sophia, she don't fly, no lie She gon' make you pay to see her working Uh-uh, she only twerking for a Birkin Uh-uh, I gotta see her shorty with it Come in young money, put that million on me 